Hello, this is Darren Laners, one of the hosts of Meet, Act, and Part. And after our discussion last evening with Roger, he had contacted us and forgotten to mention where the Path Forward campaign came from. So the Path Forward campaign was born out of a survey that the Scottish Rite Northern Masonic Jurisdiction did about three years ago. And this survey was not only for members of that the Scottish Rite and the Northern Masonic Jurisdiction, but also for men uh, in a certain age demographic, which uh, they were targeting for potential membership in Freemasonry. So out of that campaign, the Path Forward campaign was born. Out of the Path Forward campaign, the BeAFreemason.org website was born. The BeAFreemason.org website is a partnership between the Northern Masonic Jurisdiction and Southern Masonic Jurisdictions of the Ancient Accepted Scottish Rite, as well as Shriners International. Roger just wanted to make sure that that information was conveyed to you, the listener. I hope that you do enjoy this episode of Meet, Act, and Part, and thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Welcome to another edition of Meet, Act, and Part. I'm your host, Bill Hostler. I'm Greg Knott. And I'm Darren Laners. this episode, we have a very special guest right with us today. Well, the person we have right now is a person who is very well known within the Masonic community. We have Most Worshipful Brother Roger S. Van Gordon, past Grand Master of the Free and Accepted Masons of the Grand Lodge of Indiana, and the founding president of the Masonic Society. Roger has accomplished a lot over his Masonic career, and he's got a couple other things he'd like to come here and talk to us about today. Roger, welcome. It's a great honor to have you here today. Uh, it is definitely my pleasure. And I am flattered to be uh, among the first of uh, your interviewees. I want to embarrass you a little bit before we get started. <laughs> um, I, don't, I know you didn't know this was coming, but Roger is one of the grandmasters who holds a special place in my heart since I was raised during his year as grandmaster. And I'm sure he doesn't even remember this, but the night I was supposed to be raised to uh, yeah, become a master mason. I sent him an email. Did you give me a book list of what I should start to learn as a master mason? And he actually took time out of his day and he wrote me a list of books that I should study and read. And I'll never forget that. I mean, it's been almost 20 years, but I will never forget that. And I've gotten to know him over the years and I really cherish my friendship with Roger. And I just will never forget that. So thank you, Roger, in public for all that you've done for me and for Freemasonry. Uh, thank you very much, Bill. Uh, the only quibble I have with you is I still can't figure out why uh, you left Fort Wayne for Oklahoma. I'm going to say because probably because it was not 77 degrees and set on sunny in Fort Wayne today. <laughs> Can you give us, you know, um, tell us a little bit about your background, a little bit. How did you become a Mason and what brought you to the door of the lodge? Okay, I'll be glad to. <clears throat> I uh, grew up here uh, in uh, what was southern Shelby County in Indiana, south, south southern part of central Indiana, almost uh, what might be considered the nor northern part of southern Indiana. And uh, I was, uh, matter of fact, I still live like eight miles from where I grew up. I uh, was active in the Order of Demolay. Uh, Demolay played a uh, a big role in my teenage years. And I enjoyed it immensely. And I enjoyed the activities. I enjoyed the ritual. 
I enjoyed the symbolism that, that exists in Demolay. And uh, my father and, and several family members were Masons. And we were supported well by the Farmer's Lodge number 147. And I knew as a teenager, I wanted to be a Mason. Uh, the men that I knew at Farmer's Lodge, the, the advisors on my advisory council, uh, were all fine men, and as was my father, and I wanted to be like that. Uh, when, uh, as I got older, in Demolay, several of my friends who were just a, a year or two older had joined the Freemasonry, had gotten very active in the York Rite and Knights Templar and things such as this. And of course, being in DMLA, you're, you're familiar with uh, the stories of the Templars and, and of course, Shock DMLA. And that just added to my interest to Freemasonry. And I, and, uh, I remember I was still at DMLA and uh, was over at the, the bookstore that existed at the time of the Masonic home. And I bought an Indiana Masonic monitor and then started reading it. And of course, the, uh, the folks there at the bookstore thought that was really odd. You got a teenage boy in here buying an Indiana Masonic monitor. Uh, but I started reading it and I just, I just enjoyed the message of, of, of what was allowed to be put in the monitor, of course. And I thought, uh, this is something I want to be part of. And as my friends were active in, in, in lodge and they would talk about things that they went to, things that they did and how much fun it was in, in many respects. I saw Freemasonry as Demolay for old guys, okay? And it must be a tremendous amount of fun as far as learning, making friends, keeping friends. And that is why I uh, I became a Mason. As soon as I turned 21, I asked my dad for a petition. I was raised uh, uh, before my 22nd birthday. And that is, uh, that's my story of how I became a Freemason. Now, uh, in my Masonic journey, I've been fortunate to, uh, enough to have been very active in, in New York, right, as well as, as my lodge, and, and also some to the, to the Scottish right. I was working at the state level on some committees and, and uh, some appointed offices in, uh, in the York, Grand York right bodies and became uh, friends with several of uh, past grandmasters as well as current Grand Lodge officers at the time. And Mike Brumbach in 1994 asked me to be his Grand Marshal. And I have been involved with the uh, Grand Lodge of Indiana ever since. I served a couple of years as uh, uh, young committees, had another appointed officer before Doug Fagenbush uh, appointed me as Junior Grand Deacon. And I progressed through the, the Grand Lodge line and became Grand Master of Indiana in May of 2002. Uh, to 2003. And what's interesting about what you said, Bill, I congratulate you on your 18 years in Freemasonry, uh, because it's now dawned on me that uh, in Indiana, we allow uh, an 18-year-old young man to petition uh, Lodge, that there may be some young men that uh, uh, petition uh, Lodges in Indiana this uh, this year that uh, were born the year I was Grand Master. Uh, so that makes you feel kind of old. After being Grand Master, I had some uh, uh, some opportunities to, to work further. I, I was active in the Philalethe Society as well as some of the uh, appended organizations uh, to the York Rite, things like Allied Masonic Degrees, Knight Masons, uh, York Rite College and such. And uh, an opportunity came uh, to form the uh, the Masonic Society uh, to uh, as a way to, 
to to reach a, a come maybe a broader mass of some of the brothers who who were interested in in Masonic philosophy, Masonic history, uh, discussing Masonry, uh, but 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 maybe not at at the scholastic level that one may may expect at something like Philalethes or or Quanto or Coronati. And so we found that the Masonic Society and and uh, it's been around for over a decade now and and it uh, it is doing well itself. I had an opportunity to join the Masonic Renewal Committee about six years ago. Uh, the Masonic Renewal Committee is a committee of the Conference of Grand Masters of Masons in North America. And the Masonic Renewal Committee is one of the lesser known groups within uh, the Conference of Grand Masters. Uh, most Masons, most active Masons are, are well aware of things like the Masonic Service Association. Uh, the George Washington Masonic National Memorial. Those are also committees or groups within the Conference of Grand Masters. And so is the Masonic Renewal Committee. We tend to work in the background, working with Grand Lodges on uh, ideas, programs to enhance uh, Masonic membership. Uh, we trade a lot of information in which we may find uh, uh, programs, projects, or ideas may work in a, in a jurisdiction in, in, in an area, and we will pass that information on to the uh, Grand Lodges, Grand Lodge officers, and other jurisdictions for them to consider. And, and, and that's been what our focus has been. Where we're headed is that we have uh, representatives on our committee uh, from the Supreme Council, Northern Jurisdiction, Northern Masonic Jurisdiction, as well as the Supreme Council, the Southern Jurisdiction, and Shriners International and Grand Encampment Knights Templar. And the two jurisdictions of the Scottish Rite and the Shriners have, have been gracious enough to, to give us some funding as well as, uh, as some Grand Lodges to help us advance our work in providing more tools for Grand Lodge officers to help them advance as they progress through their several stations as well as tools for Grand Lodges in general that they may be able to utilize in their own jurisdictions. And, of course, as you know, uh, these things cost money. Uh, publications, uh, videos, webinars, they're, they're, they can be costly. Uh, one thing that we also do is an engage, what we call an engage conference every fall in uh, the House of the Temple in Washington, D.C., uh, the Southern Jurisdiction has been very gracious to us in allowing us to use their facility. And uh, that's a conference in which we invite uh, a, a representative from a, each Grand Lodge to come, and we discuss uh, issues of, uh, of the day uh, to Freemasonry. And, and it's, it's work like this that we do, like I said, kind of in the background, working with Grand Lodges uh, throughout uh, North America uh, to enhance the Masonic experience. And that's kind of a kind of a, in a nutshell uh, who I am and what I do. Hey Roger, interesting about the Masonic about the Masonic Society is so I joined right. right when it was formed. So I see your signature staring at me every time I walk in my room because you're on my wall here. So that's uh, so I, I have makes a me feel really good whether you whether you know it or not. No, that, that's that's great, Greg. Uh, Patty, my wife, I need to record that for her. Uh, because she doesn't see me as uh, much of a big deal at all, I guess. So. 
<laughs> no, but no, I, I have had the pleasure of doing Greg for uh, for quite a number of years also, and it, uh, it it makes me feel well and good inside that uh, in many respects we're next door neighbors, and of course it gives me another opportunity to take a shot at Bill for uh, leaving the Midwest for the West. Though we're recording this March first, I just want to mention since you're from Indiana and that Darren and I work at the University of Illinois, that the Fighting Illini beat the Indiana Hoosiers today in basketball. So, just, Yeah, just, that, that, just uh, that you happens. Know. Hey, but yeah. did you see Bobby Knight came back uh, to Indiana to tell you? I'm a number of years. I I was uh, surprised and pleased. I was, uh, right. I was, at, I, I was at IU Bloomington um, during uh, uh, the 1981, 82, or 80. 80-81 season, uh, they won the national championship, and I won't go into stories about uh, what I did during that period of time, but uh, let's just say it was a memorable time for me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I'm curious, before we dig deeper into the uh -huh. website, et cetera, what sure. has, I mean, you were there as the Masonic Society formed, but the time that led up to that period what were you seeing or what was the impetus, you know, for that, the Knights of the North? What was it you were sensing in others in, in Freemasonry that needed a change that I think was kind of the beginning of the callus that here we're seeing 10 or 15 years later? But what was the thought process behind putting some of those early efforts together? That's an excellent question. And I was going to talk a little bit about this. Uh, because, uh, as we talked about the new website, the be a, a freemason.org website, I wasn't going to necessarily talk about, uh, uh, hey, it's a great recruiting tool. I was going to talk about there's something deeper about the Path Forward campaign and about the be a freemason website that we seriously need to look to consider. And what you just brought up is the point. For decades now, going back before uh, the founding of the Masonic Society, going back actually to the 1960s, there has been a debate. Matter of fact, uh, you might even say there's been a fight in Freemasonry over what is Freemasonry. And that, and I think it can be distilled into this question. Is Freemasonry a philosophy organized in a club, or is Freemasonry a club with an interesting philosophy? Okay. Now, many of us that, that are one opinion, uh, we hold Dwight Smith, past Grandmaster of Indiana, longtime Grand Secretary of Grand Lodge of Indiana in high esteem. Dwight Smith was uh, one of the most prolific Masonic authors of his day. He inspired uh, authors such as uh, Alan Roberts, uh, Jerry Marsingale, those guys who were pillars of the, the Philadelphia Society and who themselves were very prolific authors during their time. Uh, Alan Roberts, has, as you know, has written numerous books. And, and it, it, it can be told also in a story that Thomas S. Roy, who was Grand Master of uh, Massachusetts, in 1951 to 1953 told, and Dwight Smith retells this story often. 
It seems, as Roy tells the story, that Satan and an angel were having a conversation one day. And the angel said to Satan, God will defeat you. And uh, Satan sat back and said, well, pray tell, angel, how is God going to defeat me? And the angel said, because God has given man great principles and high ideals. And Satan strokes his beard and says, foolish angel, don't you see that as soon as God gives man these great principles and high ideals, I will institutionalize them. And sooner or later, man will be much more interested in preserving his institution than he is practicing his great principles and high ideals. And this was, was Dwight's point, is that the, the soul of Freemasonry is found in the teachings and philosophy of Freemasonry, not the club of Freemasonry. And to further emphasize this, this dichotomy, this, this, this club versus philosophy idea, um, I remember uh, watching a video that was taken at a conference of grand mass, a conference of grandmasters back in the, sometime in the eighties, just prior to the founding of the Masonic Renewal Committee. Uh, the Masonic Renewal Committee was founded in 1988, uh, but prior, just prior to that, where the discussion was about Masonic Renewal. And, and the brother that was speaking, um, in, in my opinion, viewed that Freemasonry is a club with an interesting philosophy because he said what Grand Lodges in this country need to do is, is mimic the shrine philanthropy. And what we need to do is, is to find that proverbial crippled child and hoist him up on our shoulders and, and show the world the great work that we do. And I think that you can see this as we move forward in time. How many times have you seen an article where a, a news report about a Masonic event and the news reporter starts talking to the worshipful master and, and the master's trying his best to come up with an answer, talk about what it is Freemasonry does. And, and he uses the cliche, oh, we take good men, make them better. But he always starts hawking the charities. Well, you and I both know the, the, the million dollars a day that, that, that we used to talk about quite a lot vast majority of that million dollars a day was the Shriners Hospitals for, for crippled and burned children. And then you can throw in the Sonic Homes too. And when you throw in those, it is a, it is a large amount of money. But in terms of what we may do at the local level, it's rather minuscule compared to, to what the Shriners do and, and what we do with the Masonic Homes in this country. But, but we thought that was the way to recruit. We, we thought that, that, uh, boy, you know, guys, uh, uh, Join, join our group because we do a lot of charity work. Well, so is the Rotaries, the Lions, uh, a lot of other organizations. And, and there was this feeling that, uh, what is Freemasonry? It's, uh, it's like a Rotary Club with ritual. Is that what Freemasonry is? But the, but the, but you had the two camps. You had those that believed that, that the soul of Freemasonry is its philosophy, is its teaching is its way to build a better life versus those that just saw Freemasonry as a, as a, as a club, as, as a social club with, uh, 
with this ritual you have to do. Another place where you can see this this play out is one-day classes. In my opinion, one-day classes is an outgrowth that uh, of that uh, it's the club, it's the institution of Freemasonry, the club aspect of Freemasonry. That's that's more important than the uh, philosophy or or the ritual. Hence, uh, many of us were followers, next generation followers of Dwight Smith, and we were next generation followers of Alan Roberts, and we read their works, and, and we saw. What we saw is the dream of Freemasonry, the vision of Freemasonry, the possibility of Freemasonry. That, that through, that, that as our ritual says, uh, uh, it will make a, a comment about improving the individual man improves the community. And we saw that individual man, improving the individual man improves the community. And, and hence, we've now what may have been a small number of voices in the 80s and 90s and into the early 2000s has now becoming the preeminent voice, as you see with the Path Forward campaign. And you see with this via Freemason website, because, and this is, this is where I wanted to talk about this different than membership recruitment. Nowhere in any of that literature, nowhere on any of those placards or banners or on that website does it talk charities. Matter of fact, it really doesn't talk much about a lodge per se, other than these lessons are taught in a lodge. It talks a little bit about social, the sociability of Freemasonry, but the main portion is being a Freemason the teachings of Freemasonry, the philosophy of Freemasonry will make you a better man, will make you a happier man. We look back on why men join Freemasonry. They join for selfish reasons, okay? I joined because I enjoyed Demolite. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot from it. I thought it made me a, a better young man. Because of those reasons, I want to be a Freemason. Okay, I enjoy Freemasonry because I was interested in giving money to charities or raising for fundraisers for charities or things like this. I did it for something for me. And that's why I may have always joined Freemasonry, in my opinion. I think that's one of the beauties of, of this Path Forward campaign, the whole campaign, including the website, is that we're now realizing that it, that, that Freemasonry is a philosophy enveloped in a club, not the other way around. And, and that, and what we're trying to save is not Farmer's Lodge number 147's building. We're trying to save what Farmer's Lodge number 147, my home lodge, what it teaches and, and what it tries to do, uh, with each individual Mason. Uh, so, so I think that uh, the, the Masonic Society, as you were talking, Greg, was an outgrowth of this. It, it was an it, it's a movement, okay? It's part of a movement, and and if you study movements uh, and study the history of movements, you see that movements often start off in a fringe, and then after they 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 they, they prosper 
after they persevere and, and they start growing and more adherence to, to that movement uh, comes in, uh, eventually the movement can become a, a force. And I believe that, that uh, even though it's been disorganized, we, we haven't had a club of, of Masonic philosophy devotees. Uh, we, uh, uh, there were many of us throughout uh, North America that saw Freemasonry as a, uh, as a wonderful ideal, uh, to aspire to. And, uh, and we loved the sociability at the same time and the friends we made. But we realized that, that that's part of, of where this is at, that, that it's a balance between club and philosophy. You cannot you you can't really practice Freemasonry in isolation. It was made to practice with in, in a social environment, and and even our ritual will make comment to that. It's the idea of uh, steel sharpened steel. So I think it's just been a, it's been something that's going it's been going on since the 1960s uh, for a long time. Uh, the permanent uh, the premier idea, in my opinion, was that it's a club that needs to be uh, saved. And the philosophy and the ritual is just something kind of we do. And now that is starting to flip. And we're saying that, uh, no, all along it's been the philosophy, the ideals, the, the, the taking a man and making him a better man, making him a happier man. That is what Freemasonry is about. That's my sermon. Okay. Thanks, Roger. Uh, just to follow up, since you kind of ended on that note, I love the current campaign. I think it's great that uh, we've gone and uh, probably 20, 30 years from the to be one, ask one to actually trying to promote uh, our fraternity. My question slash concern is what next? So you're putting tremendous amount of effort to recruit new members, but how do we help lodges retain those members and or bring back members that aren't currently coming to meetings? Okay. And, and here is again where I, I look at the path forward campaign in a different, a different light. The path forward campaign is in a way a mirror to us that before we can really talk about the general public, we need to talk about who we are as Freemasons, as the organization it is. What is our self-image? What is our self-esteem of Freemasonry? Bill, just to give you an example, Bill the other day had posted onto his tweet account, tweet, a Twitter account, uh, about the website and about the campaign. And a brother whom both Bill and I are very well acquainted is a, a good friend of ours. And, and also with, with Greg's had, had made a comment that, that, uh, uh, and then he was just being a little facetious about the, the appearance of, of one of the men in the, uh, in the, cam- in the campaign, uh, you know, didn't look to him to be a guy that, uh, ought to be a Mason, you know, and I pointed out, yeah, you're right. I, I look at those pictures. And they're not uh, old, fat, grumpy guys. Uh, so, yeah, how can they be Masons? And, and I think that's kind of a, a statement, a little bit of, of what we are as a fraternity or what maybe we see ourselves as a fraternity. And that's the what I, one of the things I like about the Path Forward campaign is it has a standard. It has an idea. It has an image, an image that is 
maybe calling us uh, to be that type of fraternity. Too often, uh, we are caught up uh, for like stated meetings, for example. As I've often said, uh, too many of our stated meetings are reading minutes, paying bills, and then eating spaghetti on paper plates. Gone are the times uh, when Masons got together and, and they talked about maybe the great events of the day. They, they discussed the arts and sciences. Uh, they discussed Masonic philosophy. They discussed their own lives. Yeah, and those days have been gone for quite a long time. Possibly with with the uh, the rise of uh, of what Alan Castle in one of his presentations calls the town square Freemasonry, when Freemasons uh, started meeting in buildings of their own, and and many of the buildings were in the town square. Yet still, in that era, they were more engaged with the community and with each other than what we may seem to be today, and. Uh, and perhaps our answer is returning back uh, to some of those practices. Back in the uh, 1870s, 1880s, for example, masonry here in Indiana, I'm sure in Illinois and Oklahoma was the same. It, it was it was often that that uh, if a brother fell on hard times or or a widow was in need, uh, a lodge without doubt one helped her. There's a story of a coal strike not far from Greg Knott in, in Indiana, but uh, but just over the border, between the uh, the border here in Indiana and Illinois, in which uh, the lodges in the county got together and helped the striking miners. And I sat there and I go, there's no way we'd do that today. No way we'd do that today. Matter of fact, many of our members would, would sit and point at those brothers and say, well, it's their fault they're in this trouble. And I think to myself, my, how, how we changed what's happened to us and, and I lay some of this at the feet of Grand Lodges because during that time my Grand Lodge uh, looked at the lodges around Indiana and said you know they're doing good works they're visible in the communities they're working in the communities they're taking care of their members but boy the ritual work is sloppy and their books are terrible shape so what we've got to do is we need to have these grand inspectors, we'll call them, and they'll go around to lodges and they'll inspect their, their record books and they'll inspect their ritual performance and we'll start grading them on that. And that's what the Grand Lodge did. Nowadays, our Grand Lectures, we've taken the old Masonic office of Grand Lecturer and turned it into a, a ritual instructor and financial and a membership record uh, reviewer, and we're still doing it 150 years later. And lodges don't do what lodges did during the period of time because Grand Lodges told us uh, that's not important. What's important is uh, good record keeping and good ritual performance. And... Uh, and I think that's some of the changes that, that we, some of the evolution that we've made in Masonic Lodges over the course of the, the last century that, uh, that have put us in the position that we are right now where, quite, quite frankly, most of our members, we, we really don't know how to ask, answer the question of what is Freemasonry when we're asked because we've, uh, we've as, uh, as Thomas Roy's um, story said, 
uh, we become far more interested in preserving the institution than we are practicing the high ideals and, and such. And, I, and I agree with you on so much of that, Roger. I mean, I know a lot of my time is spent on because I'm a treasurer of two organizations, a secretary of another. And, you know, that's fine. I spend a lot of time, you know, running to the bank and all that. But that's not at all what interested me in the fraternity. Now, I know there's a business side of it that we need to attend to. But I think you're spot on when you describe that evolution to where we're at today. To You know, when the, the de district deputy comes for his night to look at the books and grade the ritual, et cetera, then that's fine. That, that stuff's important. But we don't spend near enough time, even though I think we're beginning to, on really making the individual man better and, and talking about how to do that. And I'll let Darren, can, he's, he can talk more about what Illinois is doing, but as a grand lodge to encourage education. But I think you're exactly right. We just evolved through the 60s into the 70s and maybe 80s. And we just become simply a, an administrative club. I, I even argue I'm not sure we're even a social club anymore because we were just chasing dues and doing the minutes and whatnot, and we completely forgot. And so you you would have a, a generation or two of men that came in, maybe more than that, that never experienced that philosophical side. And now here we are another 20, 30, 40 years later, and we're looking at each other saying, well, is that all there is? Because, you know, the younger generations, and it's not just them, if they're, they're asking, what is that value proposition? Uh, and there's lots of ways they can go do charitable events. And I'm never one that'll knock charitable events, but I agree with what you've said, Roger, that's, we're not a, we're not a charity and the shrine and others do just amazing work, but that work should be done or because of great men that come out of the fraternity, not just because it's, uh, a, a, you know, the charity itself. I think in some ways, becoming a charity, especially in a local lodge level, it's easier to, to, to write $200 check to the food bank than it is to spend time talking about the philosophical side of the craft, which will make men better. I feel good when we donate to the, the food bank or the Boy Scouts. But that's not why we're there. But yet I think sometimes we take the easy route out and can write the check or do the fish fry or whatever. And in the bigger picture, we've uh, kind of lost our way. So I, I'd, I'd like to hear Bill and Darren weigh in a little bit on this, too. Yeah, Greg, you're, you know, we've had this discussion many times regarding this. And we're of the same mind that it's okay for us as Freemasons to be selfish, to take care of ourselves, to want to improve ourselves, to want to treat ourselves. I've often brought up the idea, many of the three lodges that we both kind of belong to, you know, we should take some of the money that's sitting in a CD, not gaining any interest and take ourselves out to dinner. What's the harm in that? We have some fellowship. Maybe some people see us having a good time and we get a, a guide, a petition. Uh, we don't do enough to promote ourselves within our own communities. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of that does require spending some money. 
it's well and good for us. And don't get me wrong. I, I understand that charity is a, one of the, uh, cornerstones of, of the fraternity, but we need to also be charitable to ourselves. I think Rod, I'm with Roger. I always have been. I mean, I'm just like him. I have a picture of Dwight Smith on my wall along with Rob Morris. But, you know, Dwight used to say back in the 60s in some of his writings, how a lot of the people in Freemasonry with them, you know, as the sky's falling because we're losing membership, as they would say, that we should just find a body part and a, a, exploit it and then try to, you know, show the world how good boys we are. And if you look up Masonic Charity, I'm um, just Google Masonic Charity, you're going to find everything from the Freemasons gave $50,000 to help poor, you know, to buy a bus for this group, or Freemasons gave $100,000 to help this group do this. And, but you won't see hardly anything about the Freemasons helping a brother, brother's widow who um, needed her um, electric aid or another brother's widow was living in a house that was about to fall down, get help. Or just, you know, you might, you know, we pay lip service to them once in a while in some lodges. We'll, we'll send them roses at Christmas saying, oh, isn't that nice? We remembered our widows, you know, and it just grates me. And not long ago, I, I ended up just pulling out of a Facebook group because this group, they posted a thing and everybody was saying how amazing it was is that the local Masonic Lodge donated money to the local school system and paid off all the um, school children's lunch debts that were in the rear so that they didn't, you know, they all had a balance of zero on, you know, their school lunch tickets so they, you know, they could eat lunch and they didn't have to pay for it. And don't get me wrong, it's nice. It's really nice. And as a, a former parent, you know, of children in various marriages. You know, I remember how hard it was sometimes to come up with the money. But I also asked, what about the widows of the group? Or was there is there a brother that may be having a hard time keeping, you know, making ends meet with his family? Have they checked on them to even see, do they need anything? And I was called a troll. I was told that I was just trying to cause problems and that, of course, I couldn't say anything positive about anything if I'm just so negative. And I finally just got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I really don't need this. Obviously, you guys don't get it. And this is why, you know, ever since we've turned the Westgate into a turnstile, you know, it's just, just what we have. You know, and sometimes, I mean, people who don't follow Masonic history, you know, yes, we give a million dollars a day, and most of that, yes, is to from the Shriners. But they don't stop and think, and if you do any reading about the Masonic history of the Shrine, the reason they started the hospitals in the beginning was because the Shrine was about to become clandestine because they was getting such a bad reputation among Grand Lodges that they finally came up with a good reason to stay relevant and it's a, so they wouldn't be, you know, clandestine. So they started the hospitals. They decided to go up and they um, took it um, and they made it modeled it after the Texas Scottish Rite hospitals. You know, it's just, we've forgotten about Masonic charity and it's just, you know, true Masonic charity. I mean, so much of it has just gone by the wayside and I, I agree with everything you guys have said it's just setting back. Once we get these guys in, we need to you know, we need to re retain them. Another thing Roger hasn't mentioned is the Masonic Renewal Committee also has a scholarship. Last year, I was, I believe it was, 
they had an essay contest. It was like, what do we need? I believe it was to keep retain masonry. Was that what that was, Roger? Yes. You know, that it, it was, uh, we had, uh, uh, one year it was, uh, what does Masonic Renewal mean to you? Last year, I believe it was, uh, uh about, uh, what, what would you change? What would you add? What would you do, uh, with, with Freemasonry, uh, to, to meet Masonic ideals? So Roger, walk us through the Be a Mason website and, and what, what its focus is. If I'm either a Mason or not a Mason, what will I find there? Okay. And how, how will, how do you see or the committee see that it'll be utilized by the general okay. public? Sure. It, uh, what it does when you go to it, it will talk a little bit about, uh, the Sonic ideal. Uh, try to see if I can bring it up here. But what what does it talks about Masonic ideals? Uh, it starts out with the usual with the, with the picture uh, with the placard that we're all familiar with. Uh, not just a man, a Mason, and then it it talks about the first steps. It, it, there's a button to give you the first steps, and it talks about how to become a Mason. Well, well, there's also tabs uh, which it discusses uh, Masonic life, and that discusses the things about Lodge, what. Uh, what happens in Lodge life. And, and again, it, it talks about brothers coming together uh, without, uh, you know, outside or, or or coming together with a common philosophy. We don't discuss particular religions. We don't discuss politics. It brings together brothers regardless of their, their race, religion, political backgrounds, joined together in, in, in this philosophy working to become better men, developing friendships, friendships that last uh, a lifetime. It talks a bit about the Masonic symbolism and what, why we have the symbols, what is the purpose of them. And then it does discuss Masonic charity, uh, but it talks a bit uh, about uh, why we do charitable work rather than hawking uh, individual charities. It, it notes that, yes, we do have national charities, but we also work uh, work uh, at the local level. It, it brings a higher mind of Freemasonry, in, in, in my point. It doesn't focus so much on, on oh, we have these social events and, and, and such, and by the way, we, we give money, all this money to, to, to this charity or, or that charity. It starts out talking about Masonic philosophy, Masonic ideals taught at the local level among men that our friends are becoming friends that are looking out for one another, helping one another to become better men, which again, uh, I keep going back to, it's a, it's a twist on, on what used to be the, the what I call the clubbable method, which was, uh, let's not talk so much about philosophy, ritual, and that kind of stuff. It's like symbolism. Let's talk more about what we do at Lodge when we have, uh, events and this, uh, let's uh, talk about these particular charities that, that, that we raise money for. It's a flip of that. And then, of course, there are, there's a section that talk about Masonic degrees that tells you a bit about, uh, entered apprentice degree, fellow craft degree, master mason degree, and even goes in and tells you to the point of, of the symbolism of, of youth, manhood, and age. And, and what that means is as you develop through, uh, the three degrees. There's a section, there's a page on the family of Freemasonry, which talks about all the appendant bodies. So much so that they've also included 
a, a list of some of the lesser known bodies that I know Greg and I are familiar with, uh, having attended Masonic Week in uh, in uh, Alexandria area over a number of years. As they do mention, of course, the Philadelphia Society, uh, the uh, and the the Masonic Society, as well as some other notary, uh, other uh, scholastic. Uh, type of organizations, as well as uh, organizations that are tied to the York Rite uh, that are more into, of invitational type. And, of course, a frequently asked que- uh, question section that that, that answers uh, uh, basics of what's a mason, why should I become one, who can become one, how do I find a lodge near me, what does, what does Freemasonry use some, uh, symbolism, where to come from, what does it cost, you know, those kind of uh, uh, questions. I believe also in, in, in it, it does answer the question about Freemasonry religion, which is, as we know, those of us who, who remember the, the times back in the 1990s when we had uh, several attacks upon us uh, uh, from uh, certain religious groups, uh, it is addressed in here as well as Freemasonry is not a religion. We, uh, we accept men of all faith. One of the, of the greatest answers that I, I've known to that question is one of which uh, John Robinson, the late uh, Masonic author gave when uh, when he said that uh, from what he saw, uh, Freemasonry does not place one religion above another. Uh, what Freemasonry does is allow each Mason uh, the equal opportunity to uh, worship as he che- as he chooses, uh, practice according to his his conscience, as opposed to uh, uh, an attack that uh, we uh, we teach a religion. Uh, so I think that the website answers a lot of the basic questions of uh, who free, or what Freemasonry is, what it stands for. Again, what I appreciate about it most is uh, the emphasis that it places on this, what I call would call Masonic philosophy, the Masonic ideals, the teaching of Freemasonry itself over some of the other aspects that maybe we've promoted or at least thought we should promote over the course of the last uh, 40 years in particular. The website, if you're, let's say that, that you're not a Mason and you go to the website and, and you've, uh, you clicked, uh, on the section at the, at the early in the website of, uh, taking the first step, it's called. It, uh, it asks you some questions about where you live and such with its goal of sending you to a uh, website, uh, within the Grand Lodge, within the jurisdiction. Uh, in which you live, for example, I would go in and, of course, tell it uh, that I'm uh, in the United States, and then it would ask me, uh, well, uh, uh, for the state, and I choose that, and then after a little bit more, it will direct me to uh, a website uh, here in Indiana of which uh, I would give information, state my interest in being a Mason. Uh, the Grand Secretary uh, here was telling me uh, just yesterday that uh, within the first couple of days of the site uh, going live and, 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 and being able to be found through search engines, uh, they received no less than 10 inquiries about Freemasonry. Uh, so I think that's, a, that, that's positive. Uh, but again, the thing that I enjoy about the path forward and be a Freemason is that for those of us who are Freemasons, it calls us to be something better than I think maybe we are. Some things that Greg and, and Bill were both saying, it's calling us to, to be that fraternity that, that we tell each other in our, our ritual that it is. 
our installation ceremonies are all copied from one another. And uh, in it, uh, there may be a sentence that uh, will say to the effect that uh, the purpose of Freemasonry is to be happy and communicate happiness. And we know that uh, as an Aaron Apprentice, early in the Aaron Apprentice degree, we're, we're taught that Freemasons care about each other's welfare equal with their own, equal with their own, not kind of maybe, but equal with their own. So here we have in the installation, here we have an Aaron Apprentice degree calling us to, to something higher and better. And, and going back, Darren, to, to something you said earlier in the, in, in the interview, you were asking, in, in effect, bridging the gap. Uh, uh, we're, we're, we've got this great website now. We've got this great path forward campaign. Men will be coming in, but what will they find? And that goes back to what I was alluding to earlier that, that we need to become the promise of the Be a Freemason website. We need to become the promise of the Path Forward campaign at the local levels. That's our self-image. That's our self-esteem. And we need to raise it. And actually, I think we need to do that uh, quickly, of course. I think that we, we need to, uh, to do that before we can really have a serious conversation uh, about bringing a, a, a lot of men in, into this fraternity is that we have to get back to the idea of, of maybe what we were in the past, some things that, that we were talking about earlier. Uh, but the, the website itself is, is, uh, uh, about the, it's one of the best, if not the best website out there for, uh, someone who's not familiar, have heard about the Masons, wonder what they're like, what's all about, uh, to go to and, and get a good idea, a good basic elementary understanding of Freemasonry. Uh, it's an excellent website. And for us as Masons, it's an excellent uh, website and, and campaign for us to, to aspire to. Well, it's a great website. And uh, for our listeners, it's beafreemason.org. And we'll put it in our show notes. I, I think we can easily list it. And uh, Roger, I think we're going to have you back on again because we barely scratched the surface. We've got to about an hour here already, but want to thank you for coming on and uh, just a few final thoughts from the three of us. I think we're in a self reflection time and, uh, and a lot of the work that has been done over the last 10 years has started that self reflection. I, I don't even individually sure, but as a fraternity as a whole, I think uh, as we've outlined in this episode, some of the things of, uh, what direction should the fraternity go? Or more importantly, what is the fraternity? What's its purpose? And I think we're well on the road to redefining what Freemasonry is, but redefining it to what it was originally intended to be. And I feel good about the efforts that are started. I think the challenge for each of us is to go into our, our own lodges and start these discussions. And, and Darren and I have done this locally and and we've had some good success already but we know we've barely uh scratched the surface so i want to let darren and, and bill finish out and then we'll roger we'll see if you have any final thoughts yes first thanks thank you so much roger for taking time to to get on here i just uh i know it's 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 a marathon not a sprint and we have to remember that 
Uh, it's nice to know that there are, and I hopefully others listening to the podcast feel the same way, that there are, are men like yourself and, and others that are, you know, spending a lot of energy to, to do this because it takes, uh, it takes a lot of folks to buy in and have the same vision. So I just want to thank you for having that vision and uh, for your time today, again, for coming on and sharing that with us. And you know, saying the sky is falling and saying that Freemasonry is going to die, you know, that's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Freemasonry for the last couple hundred years has survived despots. They've survived People who's tried to exterminate it, they've survived slander. We've had people say all kinds of things and try to get us stamped out. And you know what? It hasn't worked. Every day I get people trying to get a hold of us through the Midnight Freemasons from third world countries asking, begging to become Freemasons. And if there's still that kind of spirit in the world, there's no way that Freemasonry is going to die. We just have to continue to put it in a positive light and continue to put it on the right track. And that's all it is. We have to go back on the right track. And I think things like this website with people like Roger Van Gordon, Greg Knott, and Darren Laird, it can't help. And the rest of the Midnight Freemasons and other people that we know, it's not, you know, it's, it can't help but survive, but not only survive, but flourish. And I just want to thank you all, and I want to thank all of you who took the time to listen, because it's people like you out there that's going to make Freemasonry continue. Roger, any final thoughts as we wrap this episode up? Just quickly, uh, which is uh, hard for me to do, but I'll try. I think the three of you have, have said exceedingly well. Greg, you're, you guys are correct. Now on a point of, of reflection, what are we really to become? Those of us who have believed the importance of Masonic philosophy and Masonic teaching as crucial to this fraternity, our time has come, and and this is is our time to 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 work in Freemasonry and truly meet its maximum of improving the character of the individual man, improving the community. And the thing that we can never forget, as I've said countless times, all Freemasonry is local. All Freemasonry is local. Grand Lodge is not going to improve your lodge. Your lodge, working in your local community, being visible in your local community, making good men better in your local community is, is the crux of this. All Freemasonry is local. It's us working in our own lodges, becoming better men, becoming better Freemasons. Roger, we, we appreciate you being on here with us. Guaranteed you're going to be on another episode. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. And from the bottom of my heart, let me say thank you for all the work you've done, not only on this project, but getting the, the Masonic Society going and, and many other things, because it was an organization I, I joined right away and, and learned a lot from meeting all of you and attending Masonic Week and reading the journals, et cetera. So, You've certainly made an impact on me, and, and I deeply appreciate it. So thank you again on behalf of all of us. With that, we'll conclude this episode of Meet, Act, and Part, and we hope you'll tune in next time for another exciting episode. Thank you.